I'm so glad to be up here. Um, now's my chance. I've really been blessed by the service so far and the testimonies. It kind of collides in with the topic. And um, I hope that you can see the connection. Um, but Ben, Pastor Ben has recently been, uh, he's told me he doesn't like that, by the way. He doesn't like being Pastor Ben. He wants to just be Ben. But just so you know, Pastor Ben has been, <laughs> had some messages for the past month or so, uh, several on loving one another, which was relationships that we have together with each other in the church among Christians. And then a couple on the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives, and church leaders uh, kind of talking about the, the, the men and women thing for the past couple of weeks. So today, I'm going to change the spotlight, and what I'm going to be talking about is our approach to people outside the church, in our culture, the people that we see every day that are not believers, or we don't know, you know, um, a lot of people, we just don't know what their relationship is with the Lord, but, uh, but then sometimes we do know that they are not, not believers, uh, and that's what this is about. I've got some notes. You're welcome to the notes. Notes might be helpful. Uh, they'll keep me on track. They'll get us out of here quickly. And there's a reason to get us out here, of here quickly. First, we need to be able to move the furniture from one classroom to another. Uh, but also, uh, how many of you know or have heard of the Friendly Arabic Church? That's just right down the road. The Friendly Arabic Church. It's a Baptist church. It's named that because they used to meet at Friendly Avenue Baptist in Greensboro until they built their own building. So even though we have found the people to be very friendly, <laughs> their name comes from that. Uh, and it's people from different Arabic countries who are Christians. And uh, they have a festival every year. And it got rained out last week, so they postponed it to this week. And it was yesterday and today. Um, from 10 a.m. till sundown. Um, and they have food. They have various displays. They're from a bunch of different countries. They have music, a, a bunch of displays. And we've tried to go every year just to support our brothers and sisters. Um, and uh, it's at <clears throat> 1292 Wicker Road, but it's really close by. It's not far away. And if, you know, you don't have plans for lunch, that would be a good plan. Um, you can buy, you know, different Mediterranean food. Somebody said, what kind of food is it? It's Mediterranean food. It's Arabic food, uh, like hummus and stuff like that. But uh, even if you don't go there for lunch, just to go and, and, and see these folks and encourage them. So uh, that's what we're planning to do, Lord willing, after after church today. Um, but today's message is on how we as Christians should relate to people outside the church. We are living in an interesting time that includes a lot of social change. It's, there's a lot of social change. I don't know if anybody's noticed but me, but there's a lot of social change going on. And an apparent, I'm being really gracious here, an apparent lessening of the influence of Christianity 
on the society in the United States and on the institutions in the United States. Um, and we have been called by God to live in this period of time. You know, if there were good old days back there sometime, we weren't called to live in those good old days. We're, we're for now. We're the Christians of what's happening now. God has appointed us to this time and place, uh, which is really exciting. We're called by God to live in a culture that is more and more ignorant or even opposed to what the Bible teaches. So what should our perspective be? Should we be fearful or angry at what's going on? Should we be nostalgic about the past? What should our approach be to these people that oppose us? Now today, uh, hopefully, when you leave, you'll have uh, an understanding of God's heart about this. I'm not going to provide many practical do's and don'ts, uh, because if you know me, I'm not very practical. Just ask my wife. I'm not very practical. But hopefully I can talk about God's heart for the people outside our church, the people that we see every day, the people that actually we're going to see when we leave here and maybe go to a store. You know, we're going to be seeing these people. So we'll start out in Luke 25. You've heard this story before. It's pretty long, but I'm going to read it out. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, being Jesus, said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, Desiring to justify himself, we might have lawyers in this congregation, but they would never do this. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and here's the story. Everybody's heard of this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed, mercy, showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So this is the heart of God. Who is our neighbor? Um, now, you might know this, you might not, but the Samaritans, and the, it was the Samaritan that helped the guy out. The Samaritans were not really right. Um, they, 
worshiped God the wrong way. They were worshipers of God, but they didn't go up to Jerusalem to the temple to worship. They had their own thing. They did their own thing. And, uh, and they were despised by the uh, religious Jewish people, probably despised by all the Jewish people because they were a different group of people. Uh, and uh, the Samaritan that helped this guy, this guy was a Jewish guy, the, he didn't have any uh, obligation to do that. There was no obligation on him. But he had compassion on the man. Also, there's no telling that if the Samaritan had been the one that had gotten beaten up, if this man who had gotten beaten up, if he had walked down the road and seen the Samaritan, most likely he wouldn't have stopped. He would have kept going. So, uh, oh, the priest and the Levite, what, what they did. So they're coming down, and they walk down the road, and they see this guy. Probably the reason they didn't cross the road and help the guy out is because the guy might have been dead. And if he had been dead and they had touched him, then they would have been ceremonially unclean. They would not have been able to fulfill their priestly duties. The Levite, you know, his role is to help the priest, and, and the priest uh, has these religious duties, and they have to be ceremoni ceremonially clean. So they probably weighed this. They said, okay, I could go and check this out, but if he's dead and I touch him, then I won't be able to give the sermon on Sunday. That's the joke. Not give the sermon on Sunday. Do whatever the priest did. And so they are weighing this thing, and they decide, you know, it's more important that they do their priestly duty. You know? Um, but you can tell by inference the heart of Jesus was displayed by the actions of the Samaritan. So he said, you go and do likewise. Um, and so this is pretty clear. This is Jesus talking about, Jesus' teaching on what this religious lawyer already knew. He knew that that was what he should do to fulfill the law. He should love his neighbor as himself. But his idea of his neighbor was probably somebody worthy of his help. Like his next door neighbor who, you know, also believed what he believed and kept the law and everything like that. That was probably his neighbor. But Jesus is saying, you know, no, your neighbor is this person that's totally unlike you, not necessarily worthy at all of your helping him. Um, so Jesus is telling us to love our neighbors. So that's our first thing that we need to understand for the heart of God is we're, we're to love our, our neighbor. Uh, does anybody have literal neighbors? Does anybody have neighbors that they've lived beside for years and don't really know very well? I'm going to raise my hand. Pray for me, seriously, because <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And there are neighbors that I don't know well. I might, you know, hey, how you doing, taking out the trash kind of thing. But 
as far as really knowing what their lives are like and stuff like that, uh, I think we're called to that. I think this is making it pretty clear. But not just those physical neighbors, but the people that we come into contact with. Even when they disagree with us. Even when they're different from us. Um, so, that's one of three main topics. Don't you feel good about that? This thing's going to be over so quick. Uh, step two, Matthew 5. You've heard it said, we're, we're quoting Jesus here. We could go into the New Testament. I love the New Testament letters and the writings of Paul and stuff where he's saying, Christians behave this way. When you're, when you're working with people that are outside the church, behave this way, behave, behave in an honorable way. There's all kinds of scriptures for that. But I'm going to Jesus right now. Uh, and he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, what I wrote here, this has popped into my mind. I don't typically write, Jesus is blowing their minds. But I wrote that in the notes because it's like, they're hearing this. And it's like, you know, they're trying to get this idea of the neighbor as being people that are not like him. But now... Jesus is saying, if they're your enemies, which means they're actively doing things to put you down. You're supposed to love them. That should be our attitude. That is God's heart for us, is to love the people that are actively trying to mess us up. Now, for me, um, oh, I said, it is loving our undeserving neighbor but on steroids it's like taking that love thy neighbor thing and like turning it up to 11 um, and it's that kind of thinking that Jesus that brought Jesus to the cross it says in the New Testament that Jesus made himself the least the least well he was God in the flesh but he still made himself the least he was doing this and uh, he's calling us to do this too now, I got to admit, as far as I know, and you might know different, I don't have anybody actively hating me, which is a blessing. I have in the past in my life. I've had people that hated me, and I knew it. Right now, I can't think of anybody. But when I read this verse, I think, yikes, you know, it's kind of only a matter of time. <laughs> you know, and you might have somebody hating you now. I, I am so sad when I hear about families that are broken and uh, people not speaking to each other for years and that kind of thing. That's just, that's just so sad to me. And I would say, according to the scriptures, on our side, we should not be contributing to that. We should be really crying out to God for reconciliation because that's God's heart. And um, 
the people, um, the radical this and that out there who are trying to destroy our society as we know it, our heart should be a heart of love towards them. Which brings us, that's two out of three, which brings us to uh, beware the grievance monger. So those are, to be honest with you, if you go home now, you're going to get really what I'm uh, trying to get across is that we're supposed to have that loving, compassionate heart for the people that we interact with regardless of where they're coming from. Whether they're attacking us, whether they just believe different things, our heart is to, is to look at them and say, God w wants me to love them with the love of Christ. That's why we're here. We are light. You are light and salt in this society. And, you know, would that we shine so brightly that our words have impact in their lives and our deeds have positive impact in the lives of these people that we encounter? Okay. Uh, so... The, the next little bit here, beware the grievance mongers. I made that up as far as I know. If you can find, if you can Google grie grievance mongers and find it, then I apologize for, you know, quoting somebody I didn't know. But um, the scripture I have here is beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, I really hesitated in a way uh, to talk about this because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I'm not going to be naming names and, you know, hopefully nobody's going to be offended, but I do want to make a point that's pretty strong. Um, right now, the media, has anybody heard of the media? You probably have a mental image when you think of the media, but there's the social media, like Facebook, and et cetera, et cetera, and then there's the commercial media, which would be any news source that's out there for profit. Uh, the media, social and commercial, in this country has become very divided and rancorous. Does anybody know what rancorous means? Argumentative. I was going to say I made that up, but that would be a lie. Uh, I mean, it, that's, it's argumentative, argumentative. Uh, but it's it, rancorous. It's got that ugly sound to it. I love it. Um, rancorous. It's very divided and rancorous. Duh. We must guard our hearts against voices that call on us to see ourselves as victims and to be justified in disrespecting those in authority. So that's two separate things. They're combined, but... It is easy for me to get in a huddle with some other 
believers and just talk about how society is against us. I, I hate to say surprise, surprise, because if you read the New Testament, they were not really in a hospitable society at that point. You know, there are probably ebbs and flow in this, but pretty much the world and the church are, the church is in the world, but not of the world. And the world, the unbelieving world, is not really on your side. I'm not saying that everybody is mean and hideous. God is even preparing the hearts of some of the people we come into contact with to become his children. So we can't go around thinking everybody in the world's against us. But we are, it, the Bible says, we are aliens in, uh, in our culture. We are aliens. So we shouldn't be shocked and surprised. But I think there's a tendency, when things get horrific, to get together and, and feel like we're victimized. And you'll have voices in the media, on the left and on the right, by the way. If you, you, know, if you just listen to right wing media, you'll hear it for sure, but if you listen to left-wing media, you'll hear it as well. Uh, this idea of, you know, we're the victims here, we're all being victimized, uh, and to have this grievance, this, gosh, if we weren't all victimized, we'd all be happy, but that's not where, why we're here. That's not why we're here, to, to you know, be comfortable. The other thing is uh, respect for authority, and I'm, I'll talk about that in a, min in a minute. But I wrote a song, uh, and I will not sing it to you. <laughs> I won't even recite it to you, because I thought the coolest thing about the song, and I might have told you, is, uh, is the title, which is, We're Not Here to Complain About the Service. <laughs> Hopefully you're not here to complain about the service. Preacher was lousy. Uh, but we're not here. That's not why God has us here, to be like sampling the service and saying, man, I was at this restaurant and I just got crummy service. And, you know, I've, my cable news, it's crummy service. And we're not, that's not why we're here. That doesn't mean we're not going to have, you know, aggravations, but, but we are not here to complain about the service. And... Uh, that's one of those things I'd like to have a T-shirt, but it wouldn't be understood, you know. Uh, but we're not here to complain about the service uh, when we're in the world. We're here to be salt and light, to display the character of Jesus, which was a character of self-sacrifice. He's the one that said, if somebody strikes you on one jaw, you, you, turn, the other, you turn the other cheek. If they strike you on one cheek, that's a hard word. But this is what he's talking about. Um, but then there's this other thing, and I just want to mention it. It's almost an aside, but it's, it's kind of in the same thing. I want you to really be sensitive to what God is telling you about some of the, some of the stuff you hear. Um, because there's a tendency to get in a huddle and maybe have some other voices come in, and not only are you grieved, but these idiots that are doing this to you are idiots. 
you know? I don't know that any of you have heard this or read it on, on the internet or heard it on the radio, you know, but these idiots, I won't tell you where most of the idiots are supposed, supposedly located right now, but, <laughs> but you know, we, we have to have God's heart. That doesn't mean that, that, um, that we're naive. And uh, I, I put in here, you know, we have to, uh, those of us that are called to be politically active really need to be extra conscious. Honestly, in my brain, I can only think of one political figure who I have not heard succumb to this name-calling and insulting type stuff. We're in an environment where there's just a ton of insults going around. And I think it stains our garments, you know, figuratively speaking, when we embrace that kind of thing. Uh, I remember in the 90s, here's where I might step on toes. Please forgive me. I'm not naming any names, but it doesn't take, it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who I'm talking about. But I remember in the 90s, there was a conservative radio talk show host that came on the scene, at least with a lot of renown. Everybody knew his name. And a lot of church friends were listening to his radio program. And I tuned into the radio program. And uh, to be honest with you, maybe I'm just kind of a baby, but uh, I was shocked by the disrespect for authority that I was hearing. It was during uh, an, a liberal administration and there was just continual uh, scoffing at, ridiculing, and, you know, uh, disrespect for the, pres the current president of the United States. And I thought, you know, the Bible says to respect the authorities. You can search it out in Romans, but, you know, when the Bible was written and when Paul wrote Romans, he wasn't talking about this great, wonderful, democratic administration. I don't mean Democrat versus Republican, but, you know, he wasn't talking about democracy. He was talking about a, an emperor or a, some governor that the Romans have set up. And he was saying that you're supposed to honor the authority and respect the authority. And I was thinking, you know, I, I don't understand, and I still don't, why so many of my friends seem oblivious to the insulting type language that was going on. And they did. They seemed oblivious. And I'd talk about, nah, you know, it's like, telling somebody that they probably shouldn't watch this certain TV show because, you know, it was, it was uh, I don't know that anybody ever said, oh, Alan, you're right. I'm never going to listen to this again. I don't know that I had anybody do that. Uh, so anyway, I just want to encourage you, encourage you to be sensitive to is somebody trying to make you feel that 
you are being taken for a ride and and you should be grieved at something and and talking about people in authority in civil authority in government in disrespectful terms you can disagree with somebody without disrespecting them do you know that you can really disagree you can say this person is really wrong without saying this idiot in fact that's one of my tips here I was struck by a continual disrespect back in the day, uh, the disrespectful tone towards the president. Well, here's a tip for discerning an obvious disrespectful uh, tone. Insulting adjectives and insulting nicknames. And again, I'm not going to name any names, but beware when people are throwing around, you know, those idiots. I mean, just keep a little thing, and when they say the word idiot, put a little check by it. And if you get maybe more than one, I don't know. I mean, God has to speak to your heart. You've got to do what you think God wants you to do. But loving your enemy, it doesn't mean agreeing, but it means having a, a heart of compassion and also a respect for authority. God has put the authorities in place. That's what it says in Romans. And we're supposed to have a respect for authority. It is really interesting to read the book of Acts and see how uh, Paul interacted with the Roman authority. He was a Roman citizen. I doubt very seriously that Paul had a Go Rome t-shirt. Can you imagine? <laughs> Rome forever, you know. I don't think that was his attitude. But, you know, he told people to respect the authority. Uh, he even pulled the Roman card, you know, when he had been captured and was about to be whipped by these Roman soldiers. He said, hey, you know I'm a Roman soldier, right? I'm not Roman soldier, Roman citizen. And it's like, oh, oh, he's a Roman citizen because they weren't supposed to be beating Roman citizens. So he, he would pull that card. Uh, but for the most part, he was telling the people to have a respectful attitude and to pray for the people in charge that they might live, that the Christians might live a peaceful life. Um, and if you read in the New Testament, Paul you know, he got whipped and beaten by some Roman authorities, but he also had Roman authorities that were uh, his friends. Uh, there was some Roman authorities that said, hey, hey, don't go to this riot. You're going to get into trouble. They were counseling um, Paul not to go to this thing. So I think we can have that same relationship towards government, no, uh, no matter who's, who's there, that our heart is uh, to be respectful, and, you know, there's a time to stand up. That's, that's why I put this in about political activism. I think there's, there's a time where we're in a uh, republic slash democracy. We're in a place where we share the vote, you know. And I, I certainly believe that we're supposed to vote our conscience as the Lord leads us. But underlying all of that is the sense of respect for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God. Um, and um, as far as what we listen to in particular, um, 
the shows and podcasts, I think these are a couple of questions we ought to ask ourselves. Is, should I tolerate this disrespectful attitude towards authority and people I disagree with? You kind of decide, should I, should I tolerate this? Lord, you can ask the Lord, should I tolerate this? And the other thing is, should I expose my children to this attitude of disrespect towards people in authority? Uh, because a lot of times when we're listening to some of this stuff, we're not in a vacuum. Um, so our children are exposed, and uh, we've got to decide, is this really what the Lord wants? So the three points, love your neighbor, even if they're different. Love your enemy, because nothing shows the heart of Christ more than loving people who are actively set against you. And then beware of uh, voices that would come into your life and, and cause you to behave in a way that's different. You know, it's not very loving of, towards my enemy for me to mock my enemy and, you know, insult my enemy. So, uh, thank you. It's a little bit early. So, Lord willing, after we uh, um, clean up, I hope some of you will go to the Friendly Arabic Church. It's, uh, you can Google it, and it's pretty close to Walmart. Um, and let's see, is, is there somebody on for the benediction? You're on for the benediction? Well, let me pray real quick, and then I'll... Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together with your people. Lord, it's just like a, a place of rest that we can be out of the storm of this culture and gather together and share our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what we are called to do and what we're called to be. And especially this week in our real world, Lord God, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, out in the marketplace, Lord, that we would be sensitive, that we belong to you, and that we are salt and light in Jesus' name. Amen.